Welcome to The New Monk. This podcast is dedicated to those of us on the journey of evolution. Through these episodes, we will dive into the lives of individual people and discover what they have learned and how they have handled their growth. So I spent a month in India and a lot of that time was spent in Mumbai where I met this charming young man called Roshwin. And in this episode, we talk about his Buddhist meditation chanting practice, which he has been doing every day for the past 12 years. And we really discuss how that fell into his path and how it completely changed his whole world and crumbled his foundations and way of existing and how Buddhism is not just about changing for yourself but also caring about the growth of other people around you and we talk about what Buddhism means for him. I hope you enjoy this episode and also some of the words and phrases that he uses are of his mentor Daisaku Akide or Nishiren Daishonin. Okay, those are hard names to pronounce, but I hope I did okay. (laughs) And bear with us with the Indian surround sound in the background, because it's kind of impossible to find a quiet space, but I think it adds to the atmosphere. Enjoy. Just first of all, just want to say thank you so much. And usually how we start is if you can just take a few deep breaths in and out. This feels good. (laughs) And then just tell us how you're feeling right now. (laughs) I'm feeling good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I chanted, like, for 45 minutes. Today? Yeah, I woke up at, like, 7.30 a.m. I went for a meeting. I then came back at another meeting. So it's, like, Buddhism meetings. So that's the best way to start the day for me. That's a um, long time. <laughs> what do you mean? 45 minutes. 45 minutes? I don't reach out for three hours a day, two and a half hours a day. Usually? Wow. Yeah. One of the Buddhism meetings. Well, it's just that you go and chant with people. Okay. You go and chant and study with people and uh, sort of solidify your faith. And basically what happens is when you chant Namyoho um, Renge Kyo, you basically defeat your uh, fundamental darknesses, your, you know, your negative tendencies, your limiting patterns. Uh, and you're really able to press restart every day. Love that. And take your foot off the brake. And press hard on the accelerator, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it enables you to resolve in a contradiction, feel a lot of joy, feel light, almost as if like a lion walking through the jungle with ease. Love that. That's yeah. so cool. I love the analogy. Yeah. I'm glad that you started here because I feel like this is where we should start. <laughs> nice. The Buddhist practice. Yeah. How did you stumble across it? I was living in Holland when I was 19, uh, and I moved back to India. What were you doing in Holland? I was on a cultural exchange program. Okay, cool. 
cultural exchange program. <laughs> a glorified holiday, basically. No, I'm kidding. It was like an exchange program. You like stay with different like Dutch families. You get to know the culture, the people, the food, the vibe, uh, and you know you just and then then somebody from there comes to your country and your home. Yeah, swap. Swap. How long were you there for? A year. Wow, that's quite a long time. Yeah, I was there for a year, and I shifted. I shifted three families. Um, I was supposed to. No, I shifted four or five families. I was supposed to just have three, but I had more than three, which was great because I got to understand. You know, the the dynamics and fiber of Dutch culture, really interesting, amazing culture, beautiful country. Um, and yeah, so I was there for a year. It was it was phenomenal. And then I moved back to uh, India to Pune. Yeah. And my family took to my family, and I was about seventeen. Yeah, seventeen. And I started basically doing a lot of drugs. A lot of drugs. I mean, like, I was like, probably doing like cocaine, Molly, LSD, hash, and drinking. I was probably like doing all of that in one evening. What? Yeah, yeah, all of that. So it was like I was like really going super, super hard, and uh, as a result, my behavior started to shift. My, you know, I was all over the place. If you do a lot of drugs for a decent amount of time, it messes with your entire wiring. And your thought process, the way you feel, the what you do in your day, how much you sleep, what you eat, you know, your energy levels, your mood swings, everything changes, right? So true. We do a fuck ton of drugs. Yeah. Um, how long were you doing it for? Like, I don't know, man. It must have been like, must have been a year, but just like ape shit, a lot, and uh, going for it. And uh, what happened was. My mom started to chant. Somebody introduced my mother to Nichiren Dashan Buddhism, and my mom, I saw she changed quite rapidly from somebody who had a bit of a temperament or like a um, anger issue. I don't want to call it an anger issue because she was just reacting to her in her environment, and her environment at that point was me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so she was reacting to me, and she was just like, so I'd see her get really mad really quick, and like obviously. Uh, you know, understandably so. And then she was chanting for me a lot. You know, for me to start chanting, I think you can do that. You can chant for somebody oh, wow. who's going through anxiety, who's depressed, who's about to go into a surgery. You can chant for them, uh, and it will deeply impact their state of life. It will enable their Buddhahood to emerge, which is their highest potential or their highest version of themselves to emerge, which is characterized by. Uh, absolute happiness, clarity, joy, wisdom, compassion, empathy, uh, and um, so she was chanting for me quite a lot because she saw I was going through a bit of a situation where I was like a self-fulfilling prophecy, and if I didn't stop it, I would probably, you know, I was going nowhere fast and and badly. Yeah. So then one day I reluctantly started chanting Namu Renge with her. Half to prove her wrong, half to just check it out. I love it. Right, and uh, boom! Within that week, I began to feel an organic shift in the way I was thinking, what I was feeling, what I was doing, um, potential, achievement, progress. All these things began to emerge in my mind. And what happens is, anybody who starts chanting "Namo Renge," there, um, even if it's with ill intent, there's a lot of ill intent flowing through them. 
Yeah. Right? Or there's a lot of fundamental darkness. Yeah, yeah. Or there's a lot of negativity. It starts to begin to turn into positivity. So poison begins to turn into medicine. That's the innate power of Shanti Namjurnaikya. Which is based on the Lotus Sutra, which was the highest teaching of the original Buddha who gained enlightenment in ancient India under a tree. Yeah. As stories tell and historians of... So... I started to chant and I started to begin to feel very different and, and things started to change. Uh, and I attended a meeting, I saw people who were like, first of all, I was like, how are people so happy? Like, when you go to these exactly. meetings, you meet people who are like, yeah. glowing. Yeah. Glowing so vibrant, so joyous, just like shining. And you're like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. Are they really happy or is it fake? Are they pretending? And how are they doing that? <laughs> Through chanting and practicing Buddhism. Yeah. So, it's almost as if your problems that normally are the size of a meteor or like a, or like a skyscraper become the size of an ant because you become so powerful and, and mm. incredibly strong within yeah. you because of this dynamic energy welling forth from the depths of your life. And it's not like some make-believe, try to be happy, fake it till you make it sort of bullshit. It's really a real dynamic energy sort of comes gushing forth from your inner life, which just leads you to a, a, a day filled with clarity and joy. Love that. Yeah. But what, what is the like, tradition of Buddhism? What's it called? So this is Mahayana Buddhism. Okay. So there are two types of Buddhism. Yeah. Hinayana and Mahayana, yeah. which was founded by the original Buddha. Now, Hinayana Buddhism is a Buddhism that is quite far away from reality. Not very applicable. Yeah, and this is more practical. Mahayana Buddhism is very practical, yeah. rooted in daily life. Yeah. The purpose of Buddhism is really to become happy, to win. To win. <laughs> to win, you know. That. Yeah, and it's to, um, to show concrete proof in your daily life yeah. of how uh, to become the best version of yourself, an amazing human being who can impact society and the lives of those around them. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes people are involved or steeped into maybe a philosophy or a school of thought that focuses so much on them that it, it, it sort of um, takes away the humanity out of it, which is that... Like the interconnection. The, right, that the true greatness of religion or the true essence of a, a, a philosophy um, is about impacting other people. Yeah. And I, I honestly feel like greatness lies in touching the lives of those around you. To be yeah. able to enable them to win and reach their highest self and really enable their highest potential to blossom. That is the definition of greatness for me. Uh, and that's the definition of life you know, in every spectrum. Yeah, and like the reason why. Because like if you do it for yourself, what's the point? <laughs> right, right. I mean, the point is, like, in Buddhism also we talk about how, you know, Nichiren Daishunen talks about how if a person transforms their state of life, if they begin to live with more wisdom, courage, and compassion, yeah. that means that they will be able to influence and impact lives of those in their workplace, yeah. their families, their friends, their yeah. communities, and enable them to also live with more wisdom, courage, and compassion. Who will then influence their friends, who will then influence their circles, who will then influence their, their father orbit. Yeah. So what that means is that you're actually impacting society on a large scale when you're yeah. able to impact the life of one person. Yeah. So that means changing humanity lies in 
cherishing and respecting and transforming the life of that one person in front of you, right? Boom. Boom selector. <laughs> Boom selector. Boom selector. <laughs> Pre-selector. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah. And I think it happens so naturally because you just make a shift and then all of a sudden, like you said, people start noticing and then like, hang on a minute, how's he doing that? You know? Yeah. And yeah, exactly. So, and then underneath Mahayana, what is it? The... So Mahayana, Mahayana Buddhism is... Because um, there's quite a few different things underneath that as well, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Buddhism was found, founded in India. Um, and then Shakyamuni, who was the founder of Buddhism, uh, Gautama Buddha, he was immortal, he passed away. And then Buddhism spread uh, from India to Korea, to Tibet, to China, to Japan. Um, and... Uh, you know, along the way, many of many many of the people took the Buddhism and, and sort of made it their own. Yeah. You know, and different sects formed. That's how religions yeah. branch out, right? Different sects were formed. Different branches got created. Um, many of which were not applicable to daily life, rooted in society. So, uh, and uh, that's where the distinction between Hinayana and Mahayana Buddhism became even larger, and it became even more separated from each other, so it was clear to see uh, what is the significance of Mahayana, what is the significance of Hinayana. Yeah. You know, the Mahayana Buddhism is basically like the Lotus Sutra, which was Gautam Buddha's teaching. Which is what you practice? Right, which is what we practice. And the Lotus Sutra was Gautam Buddha's highest teaching, Shakyamuni Buddha's highest teaching. Okay. which he didn't preach till he was 72. Wow. So he gained enlightenment at the age of 30. And then for many years, he preached pre-Lotus Sutra teachings, you know, because he felt the time and capacity of the people wasn't right. Just like if you give like a, a two-year-old baby an apple, right? it doesn't have teeth, can't bite in the apple. Mm-hmm. Um, try and bite in the apple, it'll hurt him. He'll remember the taste of the apple forever and he'll resent the apple. But actually, when he grows up, he realizes that, oh, an apple's actually good for me. Because it, it has gum healing properties, it's nutritious, it's a fruit, it's good for you. It's good yeah. for your stomach grinding, whatever, etc. So, but he'll resent the apple. Similarly, he felt, Shakyamuni felt that if I preached the correct teaching at the wrong time, yeah. it, could, it could actually be disastrous. Because yeah. they, they won't be able to receive it the way it's supposed to be received, and then they'll badmouth it, then they'll resent it. Yeah. Which will lead Buddhism away from them, which is not good for them. Yeah. So he waited. He waited till he was 72 years old. Then he preached the Lotus Sutra. And then when he preached the Lotus Sutra, uh, he, um, uh, and then after that, he of course passed away and uh, the Lotus Sutra then, uh, you know, spread. And it wasn't until 12th century Japan when there was a sage called Nichiren Daishonin who came across the Lotus Sutra and studied it with his life. Wow. And he expounded that Nam Myoho Renge Kyo is the crux of the Lotus Sutra. It is the juice of the Lotus Sutra. Myoho Renge Kyo is the title of the Lotus Sutra and Nam is the same place that Namaste comes from a Sanskrit word which means bow, dedicate, to, uh, pray to. So, and then he declared that chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo is the vehicle for all people to attain an absolute state of life, to awaken Buddhahood within them which is characterized by the virtues of the Buddha, a.k.a. wisdom, courage, compassion, clarity, mm-hmm. empathy. 
And what does that actually translate to? Do you, do you so Namyo Renkyo is Myoho Rengekyo is the title of the Lord Sutra and Nam is the same place Namaste, right? So it's like I pray to the Lord Sutra. But the words also have separate meanings, okay. individual meanings. Myo means to open, to revive, and to be fully endowed. Yeah. Which means that fully endowed means that Jess, as a person, has everything she needs to become the happiest, most fulfilled, most joyous, most victorious human being. Mm -hmm. Everything that she needs exists already within her. She doesn't need anything on the outside. Mm -hmm. Right? So you're fully endowed with, with all the whole universe exists within you. Right? To open and to revive, which means that when one chants Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, right? What happens is the sound of the chant awakens that inherent potential in your life, which then ripples and translates into every department. Right? So that's what Myo means to revive. So that also means that any mental or spiritual or physical condition can be revived and transformed by the chanting of Namyo Renkyo. Myoho also means life and death. Yeah. It signifies the Buddhist view of the eternal cycle of birth and death. Yeah. Right? And how it talks about how life is eternal and that this is just one of the countless existences uh, you know, that we have. This current life. And also uh, sort of intertwingles into the intertwines. I don't know that's a word. Uh, it intertwines uh, into the concept of karma, which talks yeah. about how karma is an accumulation of thoughts, words, and deeds um, from our previous lifetimes up until this life. So everything is an effect of karma. So everything is cause and effect. So Namyo Renkyo is basically the mystic law of cause and effect, which means that. If there is smoke, that's an effect. The cause is fire. Mm -hmm. Similarly, our lives currently, this moment, is an effect of causes made in the past. Mm -hmm. So the Nietzsche Dyson said that if you want to look at um, you know, your current life and understand why it is, you look at the causes that were made in the past. Previous lifetime, this lifetime, up until this point. If you want to look at your future, you look at the causes you're making in the present. Yeah, yeah. And I think many religions have that as the basis. Yeah. Religion, uh, Christianity also has that where it says, as you sow, so shall you reap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Hinduism, they say, jaisi karni, vaisi bharni, which is like, how you do is how you receive. Yeah. So it has hints of it in all religions, yeah. right? That it's the karmic cycle of, of cause and effect. So um, but the worldview of karma really is that it can't be changed. Yeah. But Nichiren Dashin's Buddhism is so revolutionary and progressive because it says that you, just as a person can change her karma, she can transform her destiny, she can greatly alter the trajectory of her life in every possible department, in her whole, in everything that she desires and, and wants to accomplish. She can change it. And she is the um, protagonist uh, on this stage. There's the drama of her life. Mm -hmm. She's the lead actress. Mm. <laughs> right? Nice. So that is, that is the, that's Myoho. Yeah. Uh, that you can change her karma. You can expiate negative karma. Renge is the lotus flower. The lotus flower is the only flower that seeds and blooms at the same time. There's no other flower that does that. That represents the simultaneity of cause and effect. That means that when a cause is created, the effect 
uh, is uh, simultaneously created. That's why you have the the, the lotus flower. Yeah, as well. Sorry. Like with karma, that's probably why. Right. Because it's happening at the same time. At the same time, but the, the buffer of time is what that yeah. delays its manifestation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when the fire is being created, you see when you when you just when you're about to light a fire, when you hit two matches, there's smoke that comes, right? Yeah. Right? Immediately, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's like harbingers of what's about to come. Yeah. So it's like the effect is going to come, but it's the buffer. Yeah. When it comes. So that represents the simultaneity of cause and effect. And also, Renge, you know, it talks about the lotus flower because in recent times, Buddhism has become the symbol of... Uh, uh, the lotus flower has become the symbol of Buddhism. Yeah. Which, which, which basically... Uh, you know, means that because the lotus flower emerges from such dirt, like a dirty, muddy pond, it's the most beautiful flower ever. It signifies that strength and victory and, and, and uh, joy emerges from suffering, mm. from adversity, from struggle. And from, that's like the only way. <laughs> that's the only way. There is no other way, right? That's what it signifies. I love that. And uh, yeah, so that's the lotus flower, Renge. And Kyo is the sound. So the sound of Nam Yoho Renge Kyo awakens that Buddhahood, that okay. potential within you. The That's sound of it. Really interesting because I was going to ask you, like, it's a bit crazy how you just chant these words and you notice, notice such a shift in your life. Yeah. What is your understanding of how it actually works? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. That's a great question. That's the money, money question. Um, so, there are a couple of things. So, my mentor, Dr. Daisaku Ikeda, um, who is, you know, one of the biggest reasons why Nichiren Daishun Buddhism has spread across the world uh, so powerfully and rapidly, uh, talks about how even without knowing the entire meaning theoretically of yeah. Namyo Renkyo, you can greatly yeah. benefit from it. Yeah. So he says that just like, you know, you don't need to understand the exact mechanics of an engine to gain from driving a car. Right? 95% of the world, they drive a car without understanding how the engine works. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. So similarly, you don't need to understand how the engine works to drive a car. Similarly, you don't need to fully understand what Nami Renkyo is for it to deeply impact and transform your state of life. Yeah, that's so good. Right? And when you start trying Nami Renkyo, what happens is, is that you can uplift your life condition. Yeah. That means you transform your inner state of life and your environment then reflects that change. Right? So Buddhism talks about oneness of life and environment, that you and your environment are one, inextricably connected, and everything happening in your environment in your day is happening in response to your inner condition. So that's why sometimes when you feel really sad or angry, like ah, your environment reflects and throws people and events and circumstances that reflect that anger and sadness. So it can spiral out of control because we're not changing our life condition. But on the other hand, when we feel really great joy and clarity and having a blast, the environment throws people, events and circumstances that reflect that. So good things start to happen, you know, very pleasant occurrences. Right? So it talks about how your environment's a mirror. Most people are trying to change things in, or people in their environment without working on themselves, changing on themselves. That's like, you know, rubbing a mirror and the dirt's on the person's face. Yeah. Right? So the clearer the mirror gets, the clearer the dirt looks, but the person thinks it's in, on the outside, so they're rubbing it. You know, so when you change your inner life, your environment reflects that change. So you were saying two, th two things about the words? Which ones? Uh, like, you know, I said, what is your understanding yes. of how it works? Right, right, right. So, so exactly, so 
this is one perspective, yeah. right? Uh, the other concept is called the Ten Worlds. The Ten Worlds are basically a Buddhist concept about how human beings are emotional pendulums, constantly fluctuating from emotion to emotion and making their decisions based on that emotion on a daily basis. Yeah. So it talks about ten states of life, ten worlds. Yeah. Um, so the ten worlds is basically human beings are emotional pendulums, they're going from state to state, morning to evening, and they're making their decisions based on the ten worlds. Okay? The basic, so they're making the decision based on the world they're in, okay. the state of life they're in. So, they're, so they're ten. at any given point, one is active and nine are inactive. Okay? So let's say the five lower worlds and five higher worlds. The lowest world is the world of hell, which is extreme despair, helplessness, sadness. When a person commits suicide, they're said to be in the world of hell. Yeah? Exists within all of us. World of hunger, thirst for fame or fortune. A person who's constantly changing partners, changing houses, changing clothes, changing cars, changing jobs. That person could be said that their dominant state of life, dominant world is hunger. Constantly wanting more. Constantly reaching for happiness outside of what they already have. That's called to be the world of hunger. Okay? And there's the world of animality. Where a person's animalistic. Like the world of way of animals. Very snappy maybe. Right? And there's the world of um, anger, which is self-explanatory. We all are half experts on anger. World of anger. Then there's the world of humanity. World of humanity is now we're going to the higher worlds. It's neutral, right? Uh, but you're still sort of at the mercy of the environment, right? Somebody gives you a compliment, you feel good. If somebody says, you know, something negative, you feel. Phew. So your life condition is still a little shaky, but it's neutral. It's getting better. Then there's the world of rapture. Now we're going to the five higher worlds. World of rapture is a rapture, uh, the world or a state of life where a desire gets fulfilled. The feeling of ecstasy. Okay? When you land that international gig as a musician that helps you tour across the world for three months where you're paid. When you make your first million dollars and you buy your mama car, let's say. Could be various, various permutations and combinations. World of rapture is basically ecstasy when a desire is fulfilled. Okay, that sense of joyous pleasure when everything is so exhilarating mm. and life feels full mm. right but that can leave as fast as it comes yes so true it's like a foam in the waves right because it's not absolutely it's not permanent it's very fleeting yeah. then there's the world of learning where you learn something new then you're in the world of realization it's the eighth world where you're realizing deeper truths based on something you've learned then there's the world of bodhisattva where you're thinking about the happiness of other people and you're sort of committed yeah. to things outside your, your bubble or motivated by self-desire, right? So you're above that. And the last world, the highest world is the world of Buddhahood, which is characterized by freedom, inner freedom, joy, clarity, like an eagle soaring through the sky, right? The world of Buddhahood is the highest state of life, okay? Now it's said that whichever world, emotional state you're in, when you chant Nam Yo Renge Kyo, you're transported to the world of Buddhahood within you. You're transported to the highest version of yourself in that moment. So that's why chanting Nam Myo Renge is okay. and practicing is a daily practice. It's a spiritual workout, yeah. morning, evening, which can yeah. recharge, it's like recharging your phone, yeah. it's like recharging your inner life. Yeah. So that's the other understanding. That's the other understanding. Magical words. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So when you um, started chanting, 
Yeah, yeah. I think at first you begin to see changes in yourself. Then as you continue practicing Buddhism, chanting, studying, attending meetings, you're able to understand from people what is the significance of this Buddhist practice, yeah. right? I think first you start um, yeah, you start you start seeing changes in yourself. Then you start seeing changes in your environment. Then you start seeing shifts in the people around you, towards you. Uh, and then you start to experience borderline miracles. And then as you continue practicing, uh, your understanding of self begins to shift. And then your foundation as a human being changes. Wow. And you get so incredibly comfortable in your own skin, unique to your individuality, that everybody begins to notice. And, and then your foundation begins to change, like deep tectonic shifts within you, right? Whether you like it or not, your attitude changes for the positive. Your, your inclination towards um, growing is almost uncontrollably higher. Mm -hmm. it's, it's unbelievable. And then I think you start attracting good fortunes from thousands of miles away. It's crazy. Love that. And then, and then I think after a while it reaches a point where you've been practicing long enough. Like this is my 12th year of practicing. Wow, yeah. that's so mad. I, I started practicing when I was 19, I'm 32 now. Mad. So, and I think it reaches a point where no matter where you go, the good fortune follows you in every area of your life. And even if you don't want it, you can't escape it. It just comes back to you. Love it. So your life just keeps growing and expanding. Uh, and I think, uh, and then the next stage is becoming the king of faith, where you like the composure, you know, of and the indestructible inner life, like Mount Fuji. You know, where you like this solid mountain, and there's swirling winds of karma, of people, of obstacles, or adversity, or things that are assailing you, and they're just around you, trying to shake you, but you're a mountain. Why do you call that faith? Because I think faith in itself is about living a life of great purpose and conviction, right? Um, and uh, living with great hope. Mm. You know, yeah. I think the world lacks hope. Yeah. The world is gets very easily carried away with what they see. Yeah. So when you were seventeen and you went through this period of like taking lots of drugs, why do you do you know why you were going through that at that time? I mean, from one perspective, I think it was just my journey of like. Love that. Just oh. accept it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my journey for what it was, you know. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I would have never discovered Buddhism. So I'm deeply grateful to those people, to those habits. I'm deeply grateful to all of that stuff. It's the reason why I encountered Buddhism, which is how I came across my highest self. So in one way, that's my journey. And from another perspective, like, I was like just a young, obnoxious, like arrogant kid who's just like, you know, going with the flow, like a feather in the wind of sorts. Just going in any fucking direction it took me. And uh, it's sad, but a lot of people live their whole lives like that. That's so true. 
you know? So true. Yeah, like, somebody says something, it affects them deeply. Somebody, you know, and it's like constantly people are pinging off the environment. Yeah. That's, again, back to the basic concept. Yeah. Oneness of life and environment. Yeah. When two energies meet, the stronger energy always influences the yeah. weaker energy. And it doesn't matter if the weaker energy is famous or celebrity. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That's why sometimes famous or celebrities meet a Dalai Lama or meet a extremely awoke, spiritually evolved, powerful energy and they're just like floored. You know? So it is about, uh, yeah. it's about human revolution. It's about constantly working on yourself, transforming yourself. And I think people want to change a lot, but they don't have the courage or the clarity to change. They're unable to break patterns, break mindsets. Um, and I, me included, me included, you know, uh, it's a constant battle. It's a daily battle. Yeah. It's a daily battle to win over yourself. You know, understanding yourself is so important. Mad. So, and you said, what do you think like has been a major shift for you over these twelve years, or maybe something that you're dealing with recently? Mm. <laughs> I think to really believe in your own potential is so difficult, right? Yeah. No. It's really difficult because, um, yeah. you know, living by, you know, norms and conditioning uh, and layers of what the world threw at you, like, this is how you should live. This is what's possible. Uh, these, these are the kind of options you have. Yeah. You have. Limited. That person might have other options. You have these many options. Yeah. That's how the world is constantly slotting people right and to believe in that you have infinite potential and you have limitless potential that i can go from starting a company to running a 200 million dollar company in three years i can do you believe that do you believe that you can be you know opening for jay-z in 2022 do you believe that mm. you know what i mean i feel like also the little things like yeah believing that you deserve to be treated with love yeah like absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. Do you believe that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, and I, of course, there's a lot of unraveling and excavating of, of inner tendencies and inner patterns that needs to be constantly worked on. But, but like, you know, self-esteem, self-worth issues. Yeah. I think one of the prime obstacles uh, or troubles that people have is just believing they're good enough, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in every situation. It trickles everywhere. Work, dreams, parents, partners, siblings. Yeah. To believe that you, you are like, do, do you feel like you're good enough? Do you feel like you deserve this? You know, it's easy to encourage my friend to apply to Harvard because I'm like, dude, remember in school you got this, grades, you were amazing, this, that, this, that. You, you can do this. But if I don't talk to myself like that, it's almost as if all that disappears, and I can't encourage myself. You know, a lot of us battle with this self-inflicted doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Um, and in this world, there is a great deal of scheming and duplicity. There is a great deal of betrayal. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, everywhere. Because like we were discussing earlier, finding truly great human beings is rare. Like genuine. Genuine human beings who will treat everybody equally, yeah. who will truly care about the welfare of other people, who will truly put somebody else before them, who will actually think who would actually put their chips on somebody else's fame and fortune who's struggling 
you know, before putting, you know, all the chips on your future and your dreams. It's important to think for yourself, feel for yourself, act for yourself and give yourself love. But, you know, to understand where that, where the, that where the lines between narcissism, you know, vanity, those, where those lines meet, to understand those lines. It's difficult because everyone, again, like I said, everyone is again always looking at their world through the lens of the world they're in, yeah. those 10 worlds, you know, uh, and constantly looking through the lens. So if you, so sometimes people just don't know that they don't know <laughs> and you can't blame them, you can't judge them. So that's another one of the shifts that I feel I've had where to stop judging people, yeah. no matter how fucked up or messed up or stupid or judgmental they are, not to judge them, it's tough. Because some people can do some really nasty shit to you and not judge them is like the way of a sage, man. It's true. You know? Having said that, Buddhism is not about uh, getting walked right over. Yeah, for sure. You know, or letting people treat you badly or like, uh, you know, not, not standing up for yourself. Buddhism is about justice and, uh, you know, having the courage to stand up for what's wrong and fighting evil, that's very important. That is one of the main primary objectives of Buddhism. So I find myself always trying to find that balance because as a person, I'm a, I like to make people happy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. because of that, people are extremely sweet and mollycoddly on the face to me, but behind me, they're just like yeah. stabbing me. And I don't even know about it until six months or one year later when somebody else tells me that happens. So that's why I say there's so much betrayal in this world. And... Um, People, people got to be careful about how they treat other people, yo, because karma sometimes can skip you and hit your kids. You know, so you got to be fucking careful. Yeah, people don't know that. People don't get it, right? They yeah, go, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah, but, but like, you're fine. You ripped it. Yeah. You're famous and rich because you fucked 100 other people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if your kid's born with something that you don't want? Yeah. you got to deal with that for the next 40 years. Yeah. So karma won't say, oh, you... Uh, you know, you, you stab somebody, so I'm gonna get you stabbed. No. No, that's not how karma works. Karma like, okay, the game plan is how do we, what is the equal and opposite reaction to that in terms of emotional, mm. right? Mm. And deep, uh, uh, you know, like, the equal and opposite reaction in terms of the effect that it has on the person. And by the time a person repents, they could have done so much bad that it could really hit their kids, could hit their family you know we've seen that all the time yeah so so i think that's the battle for somebody so do you do you think that's something that you're still like going through at the moment with self-esteem oh definitely believing definitely i'm asking myself who am i every day wow every day that's a good practice it's a great practice it's there's so much to uncover man yeah yeah, there's so much to uncover there's so much to dig deep out and these Mantras and chants, they really help you to find the answers. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. they they help you to fight your inner demons, your fundamental darknesses. It helps you to, like, resolve inner contradiction. Because I think, like, living at cross-purposes with yourself is... can create a lot of turmoil. Like, if your heart wants something else, but your mind's convincing you about something else, like, you know? Like, your mind's telling you, like, man... This person is not good for me, right? But your heart's in love with them. Yeah. And I'll tell you another thing, man. Sexual tension can get people thinking about other people who have nothing to do with being in their life. <laughs> That's a true thing.
man. Yeah. Sexual tension can lead some fucked up people in your life. Yeah, that's so true. So when I chant, when I meet somebody, I'm I'm always like chanting for the true nature of that relationship to emerge. Mm. True nature, and it's crazy. Okay. Love that. It's mad, right? So uh, there've been times when I'm uh, I'm with somebody and I'm like all the signs are there for it to be something's off, but sexual tension, the the chemistry, the attraction is so powerful, so overwhelming, you know, and 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 devilish functions come packaged beautifully. Right, they come packaged beautifully. Love that. Right? Yeah. They come in ways yeah. that you'll fucking open the door. You'll let the devil in a red dress walk <laughs> right in. You let them walk right in, right? Because packaged, whoa, stunning, right? It's like, yeah. like you can't see it through the eyes of faith. You see it through your own eyes, which again is muddled by the life condition you're currently in. So that's what, that's why rebounds are such a thing. Not everything is as it seems. Yeah, don't think I face value, you know. So I chant like if something like something, and I'm like, I start chanting for the true nature of a relationship to emerge. Like, what is, what is actually going on here? Yeah. And lo and behold, three four days later, a close friend will tell me a story. Nice. About that. something he saw about her doing something with somebody else, or do pop 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 pop. Or her talking shit about me behind my back in front of a best friend who nobody told me because they were scared that they don't want to hurt the situation because they think it's good for me all that shit. And then finally, I'm like, oh, there you go. And suddenly, that person disappeared. Now, so the power of chanting Nami Renkyo is incredible. It's colossal. I depend on all. I depend on chanting Nami Renkyo for all my big and small decisions on a daily basis, and I'm, I've never gotten let down. Not once. Never. These twelve years. So it's. And you do like, do the answers come or a bit of both? Do you just like let go and... It comes to you. Yeah. Sometimes it comes to you when you're chanting. Okay. Sometimes it comes to you when you've stopped chanting. Sometimes it comes through somebody else. So you have to listen. You'll be, yeah, you'll be tuned in. Yeah. You're tuned in, yeah. yeah. And what, um, you said something earlier like, oh, near miracles. <laughs> huh, near miracles. <laughs> yeah. What, do you have an example? I mean, your miracles, I, I honestly feel is like when things that, when th- really amazing things happen, <laughs> which you know have never happened in your 25, 30 years of existence, yeah. and of that proportion they happen, you're like, fuck me sideways. This has to be something serious to do with this practice, you know? Yeah, I, know I know my life, man, before I started practicing. I know what my life is now. I, I know the difference. Everyone knows the difference. Like, if I, now if I told you that before I started practicing, I couldn't make a friend to save my life. I couldn't talk to somebody. If you gave me, like, here's $200 and just go and save five lives to that person and just create rapport and just be nice and normal and have a fun, friendly conversation, I couldn't do it. Nobody can believe me. Because now I'm, like, the most... Social, yeah. outgoing, fun, fluid guy, and they're like, "What the fuck? Like, is that a thing? How does that work?" Mm-hmm. So, like, basically, your weaknesses slowly start to turn into strengths. Your strengths start start turning into super strengths. Uh, you know, doubt turns into hope, anxiety turns into conviction, and you just start becoming such a powerful force, equal of a thousand lions. It's ridiculous. Imagine going from one sheep to a thousand lions. Whether people like you or don't like you, they cannot ignore you. You know, that's who you become. Because the, the premise of this Buddhism is for other people. It's to enable other people to become happy and win. And it's guaranteed victory. You know what I mean? 
And Buddhism at the end of the day is about being a good human being. Yeah, and sure. actually caring about the yeah. happiness of somebody else. That's what I love about Buddhism. It's so like basic. Just be kind yeah. and be, you know. <laughs> exactly. Be compassionate. Yeah. You know? That's tough, but like. It is tough. It's tough. Like the first thing that, let's say, if somebody's troubling you a lot, or you're going through some turmoil with somebody, like an ex or an ex, or I don't know. An like, ex or an ex. An ex or an ex. Or your family or your sibling. Yeah. Ready going through some stuff. And they're causing you a lot of grief. Yeah. The first thing that we do in this in our practice is chant for the happiness of that person. Mm. It's difficult, right? That's it's, good. It's tough because, like, first when you start chanting, it's, it's sort of fake because you're still feeling seething and anger. You're still seething in that resentment. Like, how the fuck does this person say this to me? How do they do that to me? How dare they? I'm justified. I'm right. They're wrong. All that shit. Start chanting for them. Start chanting for them. And then ten minutes in, fifteen minutes in, twenty minutes in, you start chanting for them, and then you're like, you start suddenly remembering flashbacks, good memories, laughs that you had with them. And when your attitude shifts, they shift. You know what's so crazy? I started doing that, but just like sending prayers out to people yeah. that were like giving me some kind of animosity. Mm. But like, it's so true, it's so strange because you realize that you have so much power because then they change and then they come back to you and it's just a completely different dynamic. Exactly. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Either, the, either they disappear or the relationship becomes amazing. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's so subtle because you've changed just like your perspective and the way you feel about it. Yeah. And you haven't reacted to it. Exactly. You responded <laughs> to it basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stuff right. sort of is it's fascinating. Yeah. And how do you find um, balance to fit? I like it because it seems like your practice is not like taking over your whole life, you're still very much busy yeah. doing your things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but this Buddhism is not about escaping society, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a smasher. Love that. It's a smasher. It's about winning in society so you can inspire other people to become happy and really rock it. Yeah. Uh, man, it's easy to feel calm and chill and centered on the top of a mountain when you have three other, <laughs> three other monks with you that all you do is eat, pray and clean, right? Yeah. I mean, no offense, no judgment to them. Uh, they're also serving a serious purpose. But you know what I mean. I mean, like, like living in a society racked by capitalism, cutthroat competition, prejudice, discrimination, violence, terrorism, you know, fucking all this stuff going on in society. Yeah. To live and survive and make a living and to treat people well and to inspire, that is a challenge. So Nishan Buddhism is and Nishan Buddhism is all about impacting society. So it's not about running away. Yeah. It's like running straight towards the challenge and making a powerful determination to win. So it's almost as if the daily morning Daimoku that we chant and evening Daimoku that we chant is like a firm pledge, a powerful determination to win today, to become happy and to inspire others to become happy. And in that process, you also are able to overcome all your weaknesses and drawbacks and shortcomings and really become a solid stand-up world citizen. Nice. Yeah. Where do you see... I mean, this is a funny question, but I'm going to ask it. Where do you see, like, your... your growth going in the future with this practice? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh... A lot of new doors have started opening up for me. This is my 12th year of practice. 
um, a lot of I'm feeling a lot of shifts, a lot of changes. But I do predict that as I continue advancing. So it's said that if because Nichiren Daishin Buddhism is very very powerful, you know, and it in, in, it enables people to uh, really win, become happy in this world. There will be negative forces and functions that will emerge of equal proportion to obstruct the growth of this organization called the Soka Rikai. I feel that. Yeah, there will be. And uh, I'm expecting it. I'm waiting for it. And it's going to be... It's, I mean, they're not going to be small obstacles. They're going to be mammoth-sized obstacles to shut down the growth of a, such a pure and powerful philosophy across India, across the world. So I expect that to happen. And it will emerge. Uh, so for me, I think my... Um, what do you call it? My uh, determination is to strengthen my faith and my practice so powerfully that I'm equipped to tackle and deal with that mm. when those obstacles that they do come in whatever form they might come. Yeah. Uh, and there will be there will be surprises. There won't be something I expect. That I know for sure. Yeah. Like the faster you run, the more resistance from the wind, right? Yeah. And if something is true and correct, yeah. it will face opposition that might seem valid to the world, yeah. but could be just one big yeah. smoke show facade to frame. Yeah. So, I mean, th- I mean, these are just like things I'm thinking, but I'm, I'm sure as hell they're going to come up. So, I just want to be, I want to build this fortress inside me. Love it. You know? Nice. And uh, focus on the right things. I don't want to chase dumb shit. You know what I mean? I don't want to chase dumb shit. Like, too much of that already in the world. Like, you know, money, fame, girls, all that shit. Like, I'm, I'm not addressing none of that. Like, sure, it's like, uh, it's part of life and you got to keep doing that but I want to make a fucking long lasting great impact in the world you know and, and, and the thing is when you're consumed by your immediate environment only all the time then your, your dreams are as big as your environment and the reality that you're steeped in and the people and the things you're surrounding yourself with you know so the great visionaries were thinking 20, 30, 40 years ahead that's how they could invent the light bulb that's how they invent the telephone right so that's what yeah. I'm, I'm constantly thinking, you know. So I really want to create 10 days of value in one day and exert a lot. Well, of course, living an amazing, fun, balanced life. Yeah, yeah. But like focusing on the right shit. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know I mean? yeah. it's so hard, man, to get distracted. There's so many distractions. Yeah, yeah. And it's almost as like, that's like, almost like the world's telling you, but this should be your goal. This should be your goal, you know, like. Literally everywhere you look. <laughs> everywhere you look, right? It's crazy. It is. But I think that's why, like you said, it's important to have that practice to keep coming back to. Yeah. I loved it in... Uh, I did a podcast with one of my friends, Shade, and she said... She works in, like, plant medicines, and she, she said the elders always say, you know, you've got to come back to the fire. No matter what happens, just come back to the fire. <laughs> nice. Come back to your centre, sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And like that circle where you're sitting on the fire and like this. Nice. Yeah. When you started chanting as well, did you have to change like the people that were in your life? But they automatically start to change. Oh. They start to change. Yes. <laughs> you, you change, they change. That's, that's, the, that's the whole formula. Because you can't really change somebody else. Yeah. No, as in like, were people like, that you were friends with people not really resonating and then 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think like that's the nature of life, right? You outgrow people. Yeah. And people outgrow you. So I mean, it is what it is, and uh, and the truth is that like, I mean, like I started doing my thing, uh, and when your schedule changes, people who are not resonating on that whole the on like your vibe, um, they'll start to shift away. Like I, I don't want to smoke ten joints a day. I don't want to sit around and watch television and Netflix. I I I don't want to just use all my time chasing pleasure and gratification of fucking basic shit. Like, I don't want to just eat, sleep, fucking, and die. I don't. I've done that for years. Right when I was, like, growing up. So it just happened naturally? Yeah, no, but, like, this, this began to sort of, that built the momentum within my life to sort of change and transform and sort of build. And it's not like living, like, a, you know, an unrealistic life, but it's like choosing your moves carefully. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? I love that. Like, if you want to build a fucking massive, like Buckingham Palace castle, right? How many, how many, how many hours you put in a day to build that castle will determine how quickly that castle gets built. Simple math, right? Yeah. <laughs> Simple math. If you lay a brick every four days, you know, that's what you're gonna get. You lay twenty five hundred bricks a day. That's what you're gonna get. Mm. So what are you building? Mm. You know, that's the question I'm asking myself. I, I feel like also with you, it's kind of like those bricks you're building is your practice? Definitely, and my like, practice and then what I'm, the action I'm taking from yeah. my practice. Because also it's not a magic wand. Yeah, but I guess also like through the practice, it also helps you practically. Change, because it ripples into your life. Yeah. What happens is like when I chant in the morning, Stupid. Then if I chant for an hour in the morning and I head out in my day, stupid shit that people say or do doesn't penetrate my core and keep me thinking for four hours. Oh, but what did she mean? Yeah, it makes what was difference. he thinking? It makes a huge difference, right? Because like now I'm unstoppable. I'm feeling invincible. Stupid shit people said. It just like rolls off my back like water. I'm not. It's not penetrating my core. Yeah, it's yeah. not affecting the 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 direction and vision yeah, for my day yeah. and my week. So I'm like, fuck it. Like I don't care. Okay, if if. And of course, with all due respect and love, like dealing with people and not like, you know, none of that. I just being like, okay, this isn't something right now. I understand where you're coming from, but this is not what I'm feeling right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think it's important because if you don't have a strong life force, you know, then you'll always get swayed in the yeah. direction of whatever's taking you, whatever. An opinion, a judgment, a criticism, a praise. Then you're always getting yeah. taken in that direction, you know? So... It kind of helps you to create... It helps you to create, it helps you to focus and align. Like that, you know what I mean? Ooh, like it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. It's really stunning, it's really stunning. Uh, and then people just like, you know, shift. But like, close friends will always be close friends. If my close friend is suffering for five years, or if my another a homie of mine, you know, is not changed anything in his life, and his life is stagnant, stuck, I'm not gonna abandon him, he's my friend. I'm gonna support him, encourage him, inspire him. Uh, but if he's trying to pull me into his orbit, that's not going to happen. I want to pull him out of his orbit into an orbit of growth and joy and expansion. So that's the challenge. How do you meet that middle level, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. Because sometimes people closest to you are the ones that aren't entirely comfortable with your growth. Yeah, 100%. Right? Yeah, because they're also not comfortable with their growth. And they know what, if you grow, it's going to make them feel even shittier about yeah. them not growing. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. So it's that, it's that tough rope walk. What? 
what um, do you have any words of wisdom that you could give anyone who's like going through this change into finding space finding a practice mm. that works for them I mean, everybody has such a unique life and such a special journey and everybody's on their own path. I mean, I, I honestly think that people need to just believe in themselves more, believe in their own potential more and not let the environment or, you know, people dictate what they or they cannot do, mm. you know, because there's infinite potential in this world so many things to do each day is such a great opportunity to create so much and every day has infinite potential such like limitless opportunities to do so many things you know and people I feel a lot of people just end up living a life of mediocrity and compromise you know just because they didn't have the courage to stand up to somebody or themselves you know so I think like each make each moment count and constantly be expanding and advancing and burning and be happy for other people for sure. Be happy for other people's successes. People are driven too much by their own securities, I feel. Mm. You know. Uh, so I mean I found my philosophy, I found my practice, right? Buddhism is that for me. And uh, I hope that everybody finds their philosophy or their practice. Mm. And if it happens to me now me really important, so be it. I like it that you said that. There are so many. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Exactly. Find your own. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I was going to ask another question. Yeah, man. What does freedom mean to you? It's a big one. <laughs> Ooh, it's a nice one. <laughs> yes. I think freedom to me means dedicating my life to something much larger than myself. Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Cool. That's it. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Nothing. Thank you. Thank you for having me on this, babe. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully this will become something that will be televised in 196 <laughs> countries and territories. <laughs> no, I, I hope that this becomes something, one of the million things that you do, because I know you also, you like like doing a bunch of things, and yeah, you know, you're also so dynamic, and you want to constantly be putting so much into something. So yeah, I'm sure this will get, this will get big and all the chips it deserves. It's great. I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, me too, babe. Thank, Thank you. you. Much love. Awesome.